Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. If you prefer email, it's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. You know, it, it's just interesting to me as we see all the volatility of the market, right? And, and, and is it really volatile? No, it's the same as it always is. It's, it's, it's up one month, it's down another, and that's perfectly normal. What we went through was a long, long period prior to the pandemic of historically low volatility. It's just the market just kind of plowed forward, going up a little bit month after month. Most months, right? I mean, once in a while, of course, always takes a correction, a hit, and then, you know, out of the woodwork, everybody's proclaiming the end of the world is here, and on we roll. But in a way, we got used to that. We got used to also a market that had zero interest rates, right, in the world. You could just literally borrow money for next to nothing, and on the savings you had, you you literally did receive nothing. And this went on for years. And that all shifted a year ago. And that alone is going to cause a lot of distortion. It's not because the world is more volatile, more, more whatever you want to fill in the blank. It's more upside down than ever. It's never been like this before. There's so much angst in the world. Gosh, how do we ever get past all this? Well, we did in the 1960s and 70s. We got past it. We got past inflation during the, that era. We got past the Soviet Union. We'll get past China. We'll get past JoJo. We got past Jimmy Carter. It's, it's just in the time you live, it feels like we can't. We can't get by it. Because it's just too bad, it's too awful, it just won't work. And then when it is that awful and that bad and we don't think it'll work, what do we do? We finally get fed up and we change leaders. We, we, we quit making stuff up and promoting stupidity all in the name of some weird wokeness or something. Everybody is a victim in the wealthiest country, in the freest country, ever on the face of the earth. Everyone's a victim. Everyone is a racist. And we get to a point of silly, and we even do things like fire the Chicago mayor. We have introduced a bill that the education system, which we all know is severely failing almost everywhere to an epic level, and I don't use epic easy, it's just mind-numbingly bad with all the technology, all the finances, all of our understanding of how people learn, that our test scores can be less and less. It's like by design it's that bad. How do you do that? Nothing in the world is that way. Everything gets better. 
not education, it gets worse and we throw more money at it. But maybe then we have to take a class in literacy. Maybe some people see the writing on the wall and, 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 and famous people like AOC go, um, they're not so famous anymore. They're not so mysterious. And wow, isn't she great? Things are changing. And the way that affects the markets and our brain is something else. I mean, the markets are going to be affected by the fact that we all, all of a sudden have higher interest rates. We've gotten used to low, super low volatility, and that's not super high, but it's much higher than it was. It's just change. And it takes us time to react to it. But, but when we react to it on an emotional level, that's wrong. We, we, I don't care if the world's upside down. I don't care how much you think it's upside down, how much you think it won't change. That doesn't affect how many iPhones Apple's going to sell. What's going to, going to affect that is this sweeping change in interest rates and the fact that we can earn money for the first time in over 10 years on our cash. We can be completely safe and earn something. We can't earn the rate of inflation, not at this point. Hopefully that'll change soon. But it's getting a lot better. Four or five percent on money markets? Seriously. 100% liquid, completely safe. Are you serious? Why would I tie my money up? For example, you know, well, I really like the, the, the safest money thing because, you know, like I can get X percent, 3% or 4 Yeah, you tie it up for 10 years. Can't get your money out. I can get more now. Safe. It's a different ballgame. Completely different. This is also changing the dynamic within the markets. People can't, hey, I don't need to own stocks. That's the only income. It's, there's other things that have income, like bonds. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's a different ballgame. And I'm going to talk about that in the second hour because I believe that this is the best time in decades. In decades. Remember, I have been around for decades, right? I mean, I've been doing this for over 40 years. That's a long haul. And we went through a long haul where my job was actually really hard. Cost of living adjusted all the days of your life. Income that you can't outlive no matter how long you live. And the interest rate environment is zero. Now, we got used to that. But think about how hard that is compared to, oh, the interest rate environment now is five. Or is it really six or seven on things that aren't really high risk? Corporate bonds, for example. No, I want it to be 100% guaranteed. Okay, well, you got the, you know, super CD over here at five. Wow, really? Yeah. You got to tie it up for a little while, but no big deal. It's not forever. In fact, the money markets are just under five. It's a different environment. I'll talk about that in the next hour. But what that's done is it's really affected the markets. Because people still want to buy stocks, of course they do, but at the same time, why wouldn't I want to own bonds? Because, well, I do. 
Why wouldn't I? Risk-free, 4 and 5% sounds really good when you come from zero. We need to earn more than that. Yeah, we do. And once again, I'll talk about that in the second hour. But the number of alternatives now, reasonable alternatives to stocks, is incredible and takes the level of security up without diminishing the expected returns. It's a completely different environment. It's safer. It just doesn't feel like that. That's really what I'm saying. It's safer than it has been in a long, long time. If your objective is cost of living adjusted income all the days of your life, no matter how long you live, it's gotten better. Yes, inflation is high. Yes, the psychos literally are in charge in Washington, D.C. They literally are. People that hate this country, I get it. It's completely upside down, completely backwards. We're shooting down toy balloons while we allow spy balloons to go all over the place. That's just one example. And it makes your head explode. But that's not the markets. And we conflate the two all the time. Well, I feel terrible. Quit it. We have so many more options to attain goals now than we ever have. It's easier to do that. It's also easier to just have your brain explode with too much information. And we all have to be careful of our own echo chambers, right? Of, of, of this is what I believe, so I get all the facts along this particular line, so I make sure I never, ever could change my mind. Isn't that smart? <laughs> you, I can out-argue you, because I, I don't even hear what you say. I don't acknowledge it, because I have another data point on my side. So we all have to be careful of that, and not get too much into the doom and gloom. It is terrible out there. I'm in the finance business. It's not terrible out there. It is not. And that's why we're seeing a market that one month is up, one month is down. One month is up, one month is down. But the volatility isn't that high. It's a couple percent here and there. But it feels like the world is upside down. And in many ways it is. But don't let that part of the equation bother the financial part. They're separate, totally separate. All right, we've got to take a break here. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO, and we'll be right back. Hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. Yes, it was a pretty good week last week in the markets. It, you know, it was. It was good. You know, it's, it's always good to have an up, up day. But, you know, the week before it was down, and there's just nothing really to get excited about. What is good is when we focus on the long term, not even just the last you know year to date, which has shocked all of the experts on Wall Street, in that the companies that couldn't do well have done extremely well. Tesla was doom and gloom, and of course has doubled or pretty much that from its lows. 
Actually, it has doubled from its lows, more than doubled from its lows, because it wasn't going to be any good. It's just stunning in the certainty of reporting. And then the same people in the stunning certainty of the reporting of how good Tesla's doing. Uh, how bad, you know, the, this particular group of stocks is. Spotify or whatever it is. and then, But how certain it's been that people have shifted back. But I, but they couldn't do that because interest rates were higher, and so the multiples were too high, and earnings estimates were coming down, and so that was absolutely certain it would continue to be bad. And then it doubles, and what do you say now? You find facts for why you were wrong? No, no, no. You find facts for how you're now right about it. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. But we sit there and let this stuff in day after day and pretend it doesn't affect us, that you are, you and I are all becoming experts on market timing. We know what we know. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. Jim. Morning, Dave. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. I think you made a faux pas uh, in talking to, uh, to uh, Kevin and uh, not to correct the professor, as Terry called you, but uh, <laughs> you said something to the effect that uh, that you thought economists looked at numbers. Well, I beg to say that accountants look at numbers, and economists have theories. There are conservative economists and liberal economists, and they have theories. So they don't really look at hard. They're not objective in looking at figures. You know, I, okay, that's a, there, there. There is some fairness to that point, but we all have, also have to recognize that the science, if you will, or the profession of economics is one of measuring data. Just measure data. Just look at it. I mean, some of the most famous economists in the world are the people that do Freakonomics, and they talk about almost anything except money, for example, and numbers. Yeah, but when, the, when, when the, they'll see a number, but then there are all sorts of things they'll come up with as to what caused the numbers to be like that. That's true, and that's going to be the explanation on that side. But we want to avoid listening to morons like that, frankly. Jim, thank you, sir. I appreciate Hello. it. You're right. We'll be back for hour number two. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetsoFinancial.net is the email, uh, if you prefer email. And uh, at, later t in this hour, I've got a, a, a great email, which is actually is something I wanted to talk about today, and that's because it's changing. Congress is unlikely to approve an ESG mandate within 401ks. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Again, crazy seems to be temporary itself, doesn't it? I, you know, it, it, I think it took us a while to understand that, uh, in fact, men can't have babies. And people that say that are insane. And we don't even know what to do. Because how can you do anything about a situation that these are leaders? And, and, and 
they control things. They put regulations on us. They control vast amounts of government. And they're crazy and they're really stupid. It makes us think the world is a little too upside down. How can markets do okay? How can they? So we'll talk a little bit about that later. I, what I really want to talk about now is our rethink, if you will. I, I know there's a lot going on. My my brain is like, you know, oh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that too. But that's okay. Some will have to rest for next week. Cost of living adjusted income all the days of our life. When we retire with our 401ks and other assets is the goal of most everybody because most people don't have a pension. That's what their goal is. It has just gotten materially easier over the past year, but your brain doesn't think so. Now, I understand that. Because we live in the here and the now, and what has just recently happened is what we, if you will, project forward as continuing to happen, rather than the idea that now we are here So maybe it's easier going forward, even though it's painful at the current time. Here's what I'm saying. I talk about this. I I don't laugh about it. It's frustrating. But some of the highest paid people on Wall Street to sit there and babble about what the markets are doing or our analysts, you know, or, you know, so let me make fun of, you know, Schwab because TD Ameritrade is going to turn into Schwab. I mean, it already has. They just need to integrate systems and blah, blah, blah. But that's a giant clearing firm. So we're with Schwab. We want to listen to the Schwab's market analysts. And I'm not going to use their names. So I go to the conference, the Schwab conference. Big deal. Thousands and thousands and thousands of registered investment advisors are there. Huge. Deal. And all of these firms, and then these are bringing out all of the big guns, right? The big brainiacs and filling rooms in giant convention halls to hear them say that the 60-40 model, 60% stocks, equities, 40% bonds is now dead. And I raised my hand. Let's talk to that guy. What question do you have? Well, don't you feel like that since interest rates are now higher, that maybe they had a really bloody bad year, but maybe for the first time in 10 years, the 60-40 might be doable? It it might have a chance? When before, with interest rates at zero, it had no chance of success at all. But you see, Wall Street isn't capable any more than we are to change their mind. All three of the expert smarty pants babbled the same thing. That, well, no, you know, we're thinking about alternatives and things like that. Last time I heard about that, 
alts were an alternative to making money. It's an alternative to doing that. But we got better ways of doing it now. It's just rocket science. Don't worry about it. We got this. But yeah, so the 60-40 is what Wall Street says is dead. It's finally come back to life as a possibility. I'm not saying your portfolio should be 60-40. It probably ought to be something like 80-10-10 or 80-20. meaning some alts in there. Yes, maybe a tiny fraction. But I'm not talking about commodity trading things or whatever the latest thing somebody tosses out because why? Because it had a really good year because the U.S. dollar uh, skyrocketed and kept going up. And these things are trend-following things. And so they had a really good year. Yay! Even though the last 10 have been terrible. And collectively, you've done nothing but having an alternative to making money. So we have got to the point where just don't listen. And think about this. I'm not saying 60-40 is the perfect portfolio, but it has worked well historically, except when it couldn't the last 15 years, which is totally predictable. Totally. Why do you think it's predictable? Because interest rates were zero. You aren't being paid to own bonds. So don't own them. Why would you own something that doesn't pay you a reasonable return just because when you went to school, 60-40 was the way to go. Well, if you're on Wall Street, that's what you do. If you actually are a thinking human being, you wouldn't. So we think. And we don't say, oh, because the 60-40 portfolio had the worst year in all of its history. Well, no kidding. It was always destined to. And either it's going to be all in one year, like it did, where they just crushed it. Or it was going to happen over a two- or three-year period as the Fed slowly raised interest rates from zero to something, which always crushes bonds. Oh, it could get worse. Of course it could. But from this level, we now have an opportunity to think about it, to maybe change the dynamic of the portfolio, drawing more income into it at extremely low or zero risk changes the mathematics of how secure and and how much income you can draw. Your account is down, so you're scared. I get that. That's human nature. And if you can cut, do. That's fine. It'll be back. But I don't think you have to. Now, I don't know your portfolio. I'm saying generally. You had a bad year. If you didn't plan for a bad year, you're a bad planner. Bad years are absolutely certain to occur over and over again all the days of our life. Period. And you can't predict it. So when we go around predicting things based on what happened the last 12 months and trying to come up with new stuff to do, like, oh, this is really cool. Let's do some alt stuff. I think we, again, chase and we don't think and we just react, and that is wrong. It's always been wrong. It's literally never right to just react. We need to be proactive. You can react, of course. Hey, things change. Boom, boom. I gotta, I gotta, I've got to be different in my thinking because something 
changed. But why would we be different in our thinking about stocks work in the long run 100% of the time? Okay, then that's the basic core of the portfolio. End of story. Everything else we do with it is made up. Like we're going to put a hedge on it. We're going to add some alts. We're going to do some weird stuff like equity index annuities where we pretend to be in the market, but we're really not. And we kind of cap those things and we make sure you can't actually win at that game. We do all kinds of things. And, and, and Wall Street is great about creating all kinds of products. And then some of them are fantastic. Honestly, we have real opportunities out there that were never there before. Why never there before? Because technology. And now, even though technology was there a few years ago with interest rates so low, some things could not work. Equity index annuities are one of them. Couldn't work. Didn't work. Never will work. Absolutely. Can't. With rates higher, you could get some return, but why? You're already getting that in, like, CDs. Do you go buy CDs? No, you don't buy CDs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they can be part of your portfolio. Not necessarily CDs. Money markets. There's all kinds of things in preferred stock in the 7% expected return range. My goodness, those are these yields we haven't seen in way over 10 years. Enormous yields. Why? Because interest rates are higher. Things have changed. So as we're thinking about this and mapping a path forward for cost of living adjusted income all the days of our life, no matter how long you live, if that's the goal, and it is for almost everybody in retirement, then that's the goal. So we need to stop running around with our hair on fire Wondering about the market. What about the market? Well, I mean, can I, I don't know if I can. Okay. What is your goal? Well, I want cost of living adjusted income all the days of my life. Well, good for you because you know what? It just got easier. What? But the market's really volatile and it's this and I just don't understand it anymore. Right. Understand this. You don't need to. You don't need to figure it out. Unless the world ends, stocks go higher in the long run. Always have. Always have. Your entire life. So whatever the low is there and there or whatever, we can go lower, sure. But in the long run, whatever the all-time high was will be surpassed again. Again. And the great corporations of the world will raise their dividends over time as they, well, they always uh, have. Always. 100% of the time. Well, but, and then we can put all the layers of what we're worried about and shouldn't we be having some cash over here and doing that over there? Well, guess what? For that piece that you have, you want to walk away from the core and go, I don't want to own all stocks. It just bothers me. Okay, then we can get some yield on that other piece. It doesn't change the fact that the best performing cost of living adjusted income asset is the great corporations of the world, meaning stocks, 
because they raise their dividends faster than the rate of inflation by 3x over the last 50 years. That's what I want. Something that keeps pace with inflation. That's the core. But look at all the other things you can do now to add to that core to reduce risk by a monstrous amount and increase the likelihood that you can draw 4 or 5% cost of living adjusted income all the days of your life. And the key there is cost of living adjusted. That's why we own stocks, because they raise their dividends over time. It's not a fixed asset. It's laying there for us now. That's the beauty of it. And yet people are running in fear. Yes, of course I understand that. Why wouldn't I? It's crazy out there. But the reality is, it's easier than ever. Easier than ever. That's the crazy part. That's the upside down part. Our feelings are completely counter to the reality that we're looking at today. Stock prices are better than they were a year ago, meaning cheaper, meaning the yields that you are buying when you buy are higher, meaning also that you weren't dealing with that fixed income piece of 10 or 20 or 30% earning zero. It earns well now. Not great, not higher than inflation. Can't just put money in a CD and go home. But you can put some there. And we can draw income with more certainty than ever before. I know there's lots of people, the dollar's this, the dollar's that, the collapse is coming, we're moving to a cashless society, there's blood moons everywhere, there's probably a comet heading for Earth right now. I know. I know all the doom and gloom. So, well, what if they digitalize this and they go do that? And we, and the Federal Reserve chairman, you know, has a stroke and decides that interest rates should be at whatever, 25%. Make it up. JoJo runs away with the entire Treasury thing. The Chinese throw in whatever. I get it. But we act like we haven't had problems before whenever we talk like that. I know, it's never been worse. Maybe the reporting's never been worse. Maybe the emotions of the day have never been worse, but it's been worse. That's the reality. That's the reality. So when we kind of dial it back and go, you know what, here's my reality. A few more spins of the earth, and I'm out of here. I don't know how many more spins. But I don't get to be here forever. Nobody does. And that's the reality. But in the meantime, the other reality is things keep getting better. The world is getting richer every single day. Uh, no matter what, yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and put the yeah, but. You can put whatever you want on it. Argue all you want. That's a simple fact. If the world's getting richer, so are the corporations. I just don't want to go ahead and own them. And then I want to go fight the good fight about getting our country back in a reasonable way before the numbskulls completely ruin it. And that's what we're going to do. But to sit there and put the emotions of what happened on it on last year to say the 60-40 is dead is dead wrong. It finally is better. 
in my mind, it's not the right portfolio. 100% dividend-paying stock is probably the right portfolio. However, with volatility and maybe you want to draw a little more income out with a little more certainty, we flavor it in with what now has high enough yields to give us what we need. And there are so many in between the 100% guarantees and stocks that people are doing that, have had, that haven't had these kind of yields since the Great Recession. Our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetzoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you again for joining us. And also want to remind you, if you missed anything, you want to catch it, we've got our podcasts. That you can get to those through our website at PetzoFinancial.com. We also have articles and calculators there for you. But also, if you uh, want, you can sign up, of course, and have them downloaded through Apple, or and, and I think Podbeam is another one. Google has theirs, whatever. And you can go right into there for uh, into the store and, and they'll they'll download for you there. I know it's a it, it's become so um popular and and for me too, for different podcasts that I like to listen to, um to, you know, they just automatically download and and apparently there's a lot of people that have been listening to Money Matters not during this time. So, we appreciate them as well. All right, let's go ahead and go to the phones, and our number is 580-KIDO. Let's go to Wayne. Wayne, thanks for holding. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Dave. I want you to know I, I listen to your program every Saturday, and I appreciate your comments immensely. My well, question Wayne, thank is, you. Yeah. My comment is, uh, in light of uh, your uh, uh, basic tenant, uh, t- tenants today, uh, would you comment on municipal bonds? Absolutely. Uh, they, you betcha. They fit in the same exact category if you're in the maximum tax bracket. Um, I, I, the, to me, if you're thinking about it from uh, municipal bonds, or uh, which of course have a longer duration, what that simply means is you're tying the money up longer. Uh, other than you, who, who really cares, right? If you buy a 20-year bond and you just keep going, and and then you say, well, I I want my money, you can sell it. Uh, or you die and, and and your family can sell it. It's not a big deal. But at the same time, what that means is if interest rates continue to go higher, then you will lose principal on that when they go to sell it because the rate is fixed, right? So I do okay. like them very much, but I, I like them more. For for example, obviously, I think you put, ought to put it in a mutual fund so it's managed where they can change the duration of it. You also have, if you will, kind of a ladder of them, and the cost is actually much lower than owning them on your own. So it is a, all the way around. I would definitely do it that way, and there are exchange-traded funds that do the same thing. Now, to say you would – I would not do that if you weren't in a higher tax bracket because what I'd rather do in that space is I would rather take on a little tiny bit of credit risk with corporate bonds – with preferred stocks, and I would use the higher quality. I don't want to get into the junk category. Um, they're still, to me, not quite priced you know, to where I want to back up the truck yet. But in that category, you're talking 6 7% plus yields. Now, uh-huh. I just don't think the economy is all that bad in the standpoint that we're going to have enough um, defaults that I wouldn't rather have that 
than a three and a half percent yield uh, money market, or I'm sorry, mutual, municipal bond. And uh, so anyway, that, that that to me is is the perfect category right now in the fixed income space is taking a little bit of risk uh, on credit quality and 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 going out there with that. You can have duration short. If rates rise, it won't affect you that much. And um, it, it, that anyway, that's my preferred space because the rates of return are really more than commensurate with the risk, if that's if that makes sense. Okay. Well, I'm not in a high income bracket, so uh, I guess uh, I guess that will be uh, uh, not, not a consideration for me. And I'll go with the other items that you've mentioned. Good. So I, I Good. Appreciate no, I think that probably makes much. sense. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, very, very kind, too. To. So thanks. And our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. Um, Mike asks, uh, this is a, 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 an email that comes from Mike, and, and so he says, lots of talk about ESG funds. What are ESG funds? Well, they're basically the woke funds, right? They say, well, we don't want to invest in oil companies because we're going to pretend we don't use energy. And that is some kind of a look at me, I, I invest appropriately kind of guy. ESG has, of course, become a science, right? That it, it does really, really good. And so let me take a step back as, and, then I'll, and then I'll reread the uh, email and explain what ESG and why people ran down this road. Number one, the reason that, that BlackRock and others are running down this road is because, well, there's money in it. There, it, it it's no different than being able to have 10 homes around the world and run around in a private jet and talk about climate change. It's it works. There's a lot of money in it. Okay, uh, and, and I'm not a climate change denier. I think climate has changed on this planet as long as it, it's existed. So, uh, but we can't have a discussion about it. And the thing, same thing is true with ESG. But what happened to them was last year. This is what happened. You, if you're in ESG and you're really really super woke and you say all the right things and then and you put an a uh, you know uh, the right person on the board uh, for for your LGBTQ AI plus uh, in consider and whatever other initials we have to have on your board whether they're competent or not that's what ESG is you do all you touch you check all the right boxes well that would be kind of like high tech. So who did really, really well as these ESG funds were coming out, say, for the last 10 years? Tech did, especially big, giant tech, the kind that can have the right number of brown engineers or brown female engineers. Even if they're not the best, they can put them in there, and then they can talk about and they can signal their great wokeness. That's ESG. Now what happened last year is since they're really weighted heavily into tech firms, tech got blown up last year. Now all of a sudden, people are looking at it going, I don't think ESG works like they said it would work. Like if you manage companies in this way, you're going to have higher returns, which is what ESG was selling people on. And so now there's big pushback, and now it's become even more of a pushback on the political front. 
we had just this week, if you want to talk about another normal thing happening, okay, ESG, a, a no ESG mandate on 401ks was proposed by Congress. Of course, Joe vetoed it, but it also had some Democrats signing on to that. Things are changing. And forcing people to invest in a certain way with their retirement savings, a way that doesn't work any better than something else, or in many cases worse, and doesn't have any effect at all on the world, none, is wrong. It's woke and it's stupid. That seems to be changing, and BlackRock is getting into trouble about it. It'll, be, it'll continue to be in the news, even in congressional investigations. So bottom line, I'm sorry you have one in your fund, in your 401k choices. So let's reread the, the email. Lots of talk about ESG within 401k plans these days. Yes, there is, because Congress passed the bill. My concern is that I'm in a 401k fund now with BlackRock, and I understand they are pro-ESG. Oddly, there are no ticker symbols for this fund, but I can see what it's invested in. It looks like it mimics the top 20 NASDAQ stocks. If, I, if the fund starts to go ESG route, does BlackRock have to disclose that? I believe they do. I'll just answer that right now. If not, how would I know that, this, that they are leaving this fund alone? I guess I could keep looking at the fund investing in, but that's a manual process, and it is. And to a degree... I think you need to just trust that there are uh, options in there. Look at it occasionally. And if they say ESG, then you can pick something else. And I would, because I don't think that you want an ESG filter on it. It doesn't mean you hate the planet and can't wait to make it more toxic and ruin it for your kids. None of that. It means that they'll invest as is appropriate in a way that says, we are fiduciaries, we're trying to make money for the people in the 401k plan. End of story. We're not trying to do social governance with your money. That's what's wrong about it. Totally wrong. It's not a political statement. It's, a, it, 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 it's my money. I, don't I get to decide how to invest it? And if I'm investing correctly, it's I'm going to invest to try to make the most money. And then I'm going to take some of that money and I'm going to give it to the causes that I support, whether that's climate change, whether it's trying to figure out a new green energy thing, or it's the Boise Rescue Mission. People get to make their own choices. And that's the only wise way to invest, in my opinion. Mike, thank you for your uh, email. And if you have an email question, it's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. Our number here is 580-5436. Need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Uh, it's 580-5436, 580-KIDO. Uh, on the bad news side of things, uh, unfortunately, um, they're still rambling about stock buybacks in D.C. So I, I know some normal's been coming back, and I think it will continue. But the, the crazies can't stop trying to govern through regulation, things they can't do legislatively that people wouldn't. And so we're stuck with this continued rambling by JoJo about stock buybacks and raising the taxes on stock buybacks, as if somehow that's going to cure the ills of corporate America. 
who should have every right, and it's appropriate, economically correct, in all ways, the companies should correctly use their capital. Stock buybacks might be the correct use. Oh, but then they're just trying to pad the stock price. Well, that's not really bad, number one. But let's pretend that that's a bad thing, okay? Because it's only for the CEO and the executives and their stock options. But is that a reality? Would it be better to go back to the good old days of diversifying as Exxon and Chevron and many other oil companies proved in the 1980s. We even had a local company here that was owned by Exxon. They made microchips. You might ask, what does Exxon have to do with microchips? And you would be correct. Why would they, if they don't if they're just forced to keep the capital on their balance sheet, why wouldn't they start up stupid again? Oh, we're Exxon. We're good business people. We know how to run a company like that. We'll just hire like a chip-making guy, and then we've got management expertise. Right. Why don't you stick to energy? It's incredible and and unfortunate. Because it just, once again, oh, yeah, yeah. If we just report this and we have a complicit press telling people it's all about stock prices and we've got to get companies to reinvest back into business, the answer is no, we don't. If they have excess capital, let them spend it in whatever ways they should that they think is the highest, best use of that capital so they don't go out and buy chip-making companies when you're an oil producer. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. All right. Let's go to Ken in Nampa. Ken, thanks for calling. Go ahead, please. Yes. Uh, I have a variable. Uh, it's a self-directed variable annuity with Vanguard. It's mm-hmm. being administered by Transamerica Insurance Company. I'm 85 years old, and right now I don't know what to even do with it. Yeah, that's a fair question. It's, it's, it's non-qualified, I assume. Yep, what was that? It's non-qualified. It's not in your IRA. Is that correct? No, 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 it is not. Okay. Well, you've probably piled up a pretty good tax uh, hit if you were to just cash it in, correct? Uh, I would have to assume so. Yes. So what you need to do is analyze a, uh, this sounds more complicated than, than probably you were asking, but it is a complicated question. I don't know what your tax bracket is, how much you could take out without jumping that tax bracket, what your overall long-term needs are. For example, is, it, is it, it's going to go to my you know, X number of kids? Are they in high tax brackets, low tax brackets? Would this jump them into a very high tax bracket? And, they, and then you would basically lose half the gains over these years. So what you want is a strategy going forward that says, what is the reason for this? Can I take a little bit out this year? Can I take twenty-five or 30000 uh, making up numbers, of course, and not really jack up my tax bracket and begin to diminish the long-term tax hit that I or my heirs will have to take? And you may say, I'm just going to tax defer it. The other p- choice you need to be thinking about is – if you have any charitable bequests, and I'm not talking about your kids, of course, I'm talking about a, a real charity, 
um, then you do have the possibility of just put it, listing them as a beneficiary and the whole tax problem goes away. So hmm. there are multiple things to think about what it is to basically to say, what is it I'm trying to do with this money? And then you build a, build a uh, um, if you will, a plan around that. Uh, well, uh, yes, I, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm following you. Do you, do you have someone in your office that, uh, you can sit down with on an hourly basis and have them take a look at it and give me some guidance? We do. Um, it's uh, Yes, I'm not sure if there's time on the schedule, but I don't think it's going to be a bad, uh, a big, enormous problem. So the answer is, uh, let's just say yes. I just don't know uh, his time commitment. So what I think would be best is to, uh, when you call, to just simply say, we ha- I had this conversation and, and then um, – uh, with me on the radio that we could do that, and I'll let my office know as well, okay? I understand. Okay, okay. Thank you so much this morning. You're very welcome. Have a good day. Bye, Bye now. And our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. Let's do this. Let's get our final break out of the way and leave us plenty of time to take your calls, and we'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you again for joining us. You miss anything, you want to uh, check out our website. We've got podcasts. And we have, of course, calculators and articles. And if you want to leave a question, love to be able to answer that either directly or I'll answer on the program. Uh, Sometimes I like to do that Uh, because it's an interesting question for everybody. Now, this was a very funny one sent in by Gary, so I just I have to say it. So, uh, Dave, given ESG and the Davos men uh, in parentheses, air quotes, and the, and the people who want to run our lives while they dine on steak and jet around the world. How is this for a bumper sticker? Ban the elites from fuels and meats. I love it. That's great. <laughs> That's really good. I, you know what? You better hurry up and, and get that out there and copyright it. That is a, I think it's going to be a bestseller. Excellent. Excellent stuff. All right. As we're winding up uh, today, uh, an, uh, a couple of things, Okay. The Wall Street Journal today uh, talked about the fact that uh, taxes, uh, since Joe is continuing to talk about the, uh, you know, raising taxes, that they have, there has to be a, a fair share of taxes out there, right? And, well, the answer is the the elite, if you will, those 1% billionaires that don't pay any tax, they pay all the tax. And so it's time to just kind of look at the IRS data, not, 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 you know, cherry pick just the IRS data. That's all. So, so what is a fair share? So the top 1% of all the earners paid 42.3%. Over 42% in 2020 of the country's taxes were paid by 1% of the people. One. By the way, that percentage is a two-decade high. Oh, but they make like 90% of the money. That's going to be somebody's argument, I'm sure, in their minds. Like, wow, they make all the money. There's all, of that. all the wealth is with them. No, it's, it's actually not. It's 22% of the income is reported by them. The only way you can look at that is saying with half of the income, percentage-wise. 
they're paying 42%, double their share of the income, double. The only way you look at that is saying that's a really progressive tax. That's, that's over the top. You're just killing those people. They are. Not killing them because they're rich. But the fact is, is it's kind of sort of like they're doing more than their fair share. More than their fair share. But that's not going to make the news. That doesn't sound right. We've got to find somebody out there that, you know, has some business losses or something and shows income at a lower percentage rate than the secretary or whatever. Okay? Got to have them pay their fair share. But you know what? That isn't, even, isn't even in that, and I run into this a lot. Not in the one percenters, but the next 10, 20 percenters. Their income in retirement, it, it doesn't just stop there. More of their Social Security is taxed at a higher bracket. One. Two. Medicare premiums are double and triple. That's not counted either. It's not counted. It's an amazing, why do they do it that way? Because then they can pretend it's not increasing your taxes. It's only a Medicare premium for health insurance. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So here's the bottom line. The bottom half of taxpayers, the bottom half, the people that just got to have a break, their rate is 3%. Three. Three percent. That's their average rate of taxes paid. Three. The bottom 50% of wage earners reported 10% of the income and only 2% of the taxes. It is disproportionate. Joe is right. Of course, he's not right, and he's not going to say so. It's just important to get the numbers right, because if we don't, we don't make good decisions, do we? We just don't make good decisions. I get it. You want to tax people? Tax them. But let's be honest about it. The rich pay the freight, and they do it in multiple ways that aren't even reflected in the numbers. Payroll taxes for the people that work for them, are paid by the wealthy, the business owners, and the not-so-wealthy. And when we consider things like Medicare tax, all those other things, the tax rate's even higher. But when it comes to pure, raw data on income tax, you don't have to extrapolate a thing to recognize that 42% of the taxes are paid by 1% of the people. Have a great rest of the day.